Hey there, thanks for tuning in to the King's House Podcast. We are a non-denominational church located in McAuster, Oklahoma, reaching and serving those in our community and around the world. We believe that church is not just something you go to, but it's a family you belong to. And a house is just a house until family is there, then that house becomes a home. So today, we want to say welcome home as we jump into today's service. Preaching this morning. I heard a story uh, just a few days ago, and uh, who knows what you read on the internet is true, right? But as the story goes, some people say this is true, and then uh, there's fact checkers that say it's not true. My question is, like, who's fact checking the fact checkers? But that's a different sermon. But I read this story, and it's, it's, I want to share it with you. It's incredible. Uh, it says, one day, Thomas Edison came home and gave a paper to his mother. He told her, my teacher gave this paper to me and told me to only give it to you. His his mother's eyes were tearful as she read the letter out loud to her child. Your son is a genius. This school is too small for him and doesn't have enough good teachers for training him. Please teach him yourself. After many, many years after Edison's mother died, and he was now one of the greatest inventors of the century, One day he was looking through old family things. Suddenly he saw a folded paper in the corner of a drawer in a desk. He took it out and opened it up. On the paper was written, your son is addled, which is mentally ill. We won't let him come to school anymore. Edison cried for hours and then he wrote in his diary, Thomas Alva Edison was an addled child that by a hero mother became the genius of a century. I shared that story this morning because people's belief in you is one of the most powerful, influential things that we will ever experience in life. Their belief in you or their lack of belief in you. And we have someone here this morning you've heard me talk about who is just, I can never put into words how much this individual means to me as a person. Uh, Because when the rest of the world had given up on Mark Hennon, and didn't see any potential and didn't see much hope and had just written him off as the troublemaker kid who's, who's going to be a moron the rest of it. Somebody believed in me. And somebody spoke life into me and invested in me and always encouraged me and never treated me like that kid. Uh, so the reason I'm here today and the reason that I'm pastoring this church and the reason that we're making a difference all around the globe is because somebody took the time and saw past uh, physical eyes and had spiritual eyes and saw something deeper and saw something more meaningful inside of me. Uh, This is the person that uh, I'll never forget the first time I watched him play piano and the way he interacted with God. I was mesmerized by that. I went to him and I said, I want you to show me how to do what you just did. So the person that believed in me, the the person that taught me how to play piano, the the person that inspired me to live a lifestyle of worship is here with us this morning. I'm just so honored and blessed and I believe that he has an incredible word for you this morning. So if you would, would you stand to your feet this morning, King's House, in honor, Mr. Chris Ballou. Wow. <laughs> I, I was just doing what I do, right? 
I feel the same way about Mark, same way about Erica. You know, I'll tear up talking about them. Just such love in my heart, uh, love in my spirit for them, for all that God's done in them, all God's continuing to do. It is a pleasure to be able to be here in front of you at King's House today. It is just an immense joy to be able to be here to, to worship with you. I'll tell you what, you have something special here. I don't know if you know that or not. I don't know if you realize it every day. You get to come into this house and you get to worship. I'll tell you what, it was almost like from the click, 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 boom. God's presence just shows up. And he's just here to meet with you. And I'll tell you, I don't know if it's just because you guys uh, got out and braved the rain, the beginning of spring break, and the what else do we have? Time change. Oh, good Lord, yeah. That was Man, God wanted to meet with you. I'll tell you what, you, you, put a, you put a name on a place like the king's house, and I guess he just shows up, right? I'll tell you what, if anybody in the room wants to name your house the Chris Ballou house, I'll stop by, okay? But I, I, I was thinking, you know, Moses did that same thing. He, he built this place as they were out in the middle of this desert, and he called it the tabernacle, the house, the dwelling place of God, and all of a sudden, everywhere they moved, God just showed up, right? They, all of a sudden, this uh, cloud by day and this pillar of fire by night, and all of a sudden, they just kept following, and they just kept going. You know, Solomon did, this, did the same thing. He built this temple. He called it God's temple, right? And God saw his name on that place, and he just showed up. He just showed up. In fact, he showed up. They, they came in. They began worshiping. There were, it says they didn't tell us how many musicians there were everywhere running around, but it says there were at least 120 trumpets. Anybody in the room ever learned how to play the trumpet? Yeah, the 120 trumpets. Uh, same here. That was, that was my middle school band instrument right here. Yes, I was that kid who did the spit valve on the, on the person next to my shoe, but... <clears throat> But I'll tell you what, you name a place, something like the king's house, he shows up in that place. And, and I think that kind of prefaces and, and it, puts, it puts the focus, because when Solomon uh, was there and these 120 trumpets were blowing and these people were worshiping and they were, all of a sudden God's glory began to fall on that place. And it says all of a sudden no one was able to stand up anymore. They all just began to be overcome by the weighty presence of his glory, and they were all just on the floor having an encounter with God. And that's my prayer today, is in this special place where you are, that God comes and has an encounter. There's no words that I can say that can change your life. Right? There's, there's no magic formula that, that I did this morning just to, to hope that there would be... It comes down to an encounter that you have with the presence of God this morning. And so my heart and my prayer today is just that God, God would speak through us. Speak through me. I'm not plural. I am a single. But yeah. I'm actually married. I'm not single. So that beautiful gal right down there on the front row, her name's Chrissy. Chris and Chrissy. <clears throat> Have you ever had a dream and it looked like the dream died? Have you ever had something in your heart 
something in your spirit, and you knew with all of your heart, all of your mind, and all of your strength, that that was God's will for your life. And he put that dream inside of your heart, and he put that dream inside of your spirit, and all of a sudden, you come up on this moment, and it looks like the dream dies. Today, I'd like to talk a little bit about a man whose name was Abram, and God changed his name to Abraham. And he, in the passage that we're getting ready to read, had encountered that exact moment. He'd had a time with God where God shows up, brings an angel along the way, speaks, speaks to him, starts telling him that if you will leave this land, if you'll leave your father's house, and if you'll go out, then I'm going to do something special, and I'm going to start a whole people, and, and a whole people in your, your household will be as, as many as the stars in the sky, as many as the sands of the sea. And so Abraham gets charged up by this dream, gets charged up by this vision. He says, yeah, and and in that day, you didn't leave your father's house quite like we do today. You kind of just built on a room, and you all lived together. And and, and in that moment, he decided, I'm just going to go ahead and walk away, walk away from this, because God's spoken something to me, and I'm going to step out, and I'm going to take a step of faith. And he did. He did that. He, he went through a, a whole series of things. If we could put this passage of Scripture here, if you guys could just read along as, uh, as, I, as I read this. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down. And God said to him, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be father of many nations, and no longer will you be called Abram, but your name will be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I'll make you very fruitful. I'll make nations of you, and kings will come from you. I'll establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for generations to come to be your God and to be the God of the descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give you as an everlasting possession and your descendants after you and I will be their God. Would you bow your heads and pray with me here for a moment? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence in this place. God, we thank you that the revelation of who you are, Father, can transform and can change us in every way. Father, we ask today that as as you showed up and revealed yourself to Abram, Father, that you would show up and reveal yourself to us today. Make your covenant a revelation to us. Father, change our nature today just like you changed Abram's nature. Father, in the name that is above every other name, the name of Jesus, amen, amen, amen. Now, in this passage, before when God shows up to Abraham, God shows up and and he begins to express who he is. And Abram lived in a place where there were lots of other gods, there were lots of other other things going on, people worshiping other things, other 
idols and, and things. And, and he shows up and he, and he tells Abram at this point, he says, I am Elohim. I am creator God. And you look around you, look at everything that's going on around you. And when you look at that, understand that I'm the one who put that into place. I'm the one who put the stars into place. I'm the one who made, and at that point, they didn't know exactly what spun around what at, at that point. But, but he said, I'm the one who put all this. I'm the one who made the stars come up at night. I'm the one who made the moon rise and the sun rise in the morning. I'm the one who regulated this. I'm the one who, who causes the ground to grow. Uh, he said, I'm the creator Elohim God. And above all of these other idols and above all of these other things that are there, I am creator God, and I've set it all in order. And Abram was so excited about that. He began to embrace that, that creator God as, as never before and, and was obedient to him. But then all of a sudden, God had given this promise that, he, that his sea would be as, as many as the stars in the sky or the sands. And all of a sudden, he finds himself in this moment at 99 years old. 99 years old, and he has this promise that is inside of him that God said, I'm going to make your seed all of this. And he's sitting there, and none of it's happening. Looked like his dream had died. Looked like something that God had promised had just kind of disappeared. And I'll tell you what, we, we look at Scripture, and I'm, I'm, like, I'm like everybody else on this. I, I sit down, I read Abram's story, 30 minutes or an hour. Uh, and as I'm, as I'm reading that, all of a sudden I look at, his, at the victories in his life, and I get excited and I get pumped up. I get looking at all of the amazing things that God did in Abraham's life. But in between every one of those victories was Abram sitting there wondering, is this ever really going to happen? Is this ever really going to happen? Imagine he woke up some mornings, whatever the equivalent of coffee was that day, just sit there across the table from his wife. After all these years, he was just wondering if God's promise was really going to come to pass. When we read this passage that we just read, he'd already taken one of his servants one of his female servants, and he'd had a child. He'd, this dream wasn't seeming to happen, so he decided to take things into his own hands and be able to, to be able to have a child with one of his servants. I can't even imagine all the emotion that was going on inside of him as he's sitting there. And he's looking across the table from his wife. I wonder if he doubted if he'd even heard God at all when God had spoken to him. But here, in the middle of one of the most giant, colossal mistakes that we're still living with, right, over in the Middle East, we're still living in the midst of this. In the middle of this, God shows up to him yet again. And this time, when he shows up to him, he says, I am God Almighty. If you look at the look at the Hebrew here, it's the it's the word El Shaddai. El Shaddai. He says, "I am God Almighty." And what that what that word means is when when he says, "I am El Shaddai," he says, "I am the one who is all sufficient 
And I am the one who is all-powerful. He says, I am the one who can take a moment and change everything. Where Elohim meant, I am the God who sets everything in order and in everything in place. El Shaddai is the part of God that says, in the middle of that, I can interrupt and I can intervene in natural law, and I can cause something else to change and something else to be different. You see, he's, he said in that, he said, I'm all sufficient in that, and it may be outside of, outside of nature's natural laws for you to be able to continue, and to, you to be 99, and to be able to, to have a child. He said, but I'm, I'm the God El Shaddai. I am the all-powerful one who is able to overcome that natural law and be able to step into that lack and be the one who is all-sufficient in middle of that lack to bring, across, to bring about my promise and my dream. You see, I think Abram found himself in this place that we all find ourselves in somewhere along the way. He knew God's promise and it had been confirmed to him so many times. But when he actually got down to it and he looked in the mirror, he saw himself insufficient. He saw himself, I'm 99 years old, this isn't happening. It's insufficient. We've we've tried. We've made this. We've made. We tried to make this happen. It's, but it's been confirmed to me so many times. And I don't know if you ever do this in the midst of a dream that God's given you. But do you ever decide sometimes that maybe the dream didn't happen because of me somehow? Have you? I think we've all been there. There's a little saying that we use in education says, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. And I think that's exactly where, exactly where Abram was at this moment. Because I believe that so many times God's waiting on revelation to be able to give of himself to us, but so many times we're not ready to receive that revelation that he's trying to give us. And so he's waiting for that moment, maybe even creating that moment, to be able to step in there in that point of time to be able to say, hey, you are insufficient. But almighty God, El Shaddai, will intervene in this moment and I will accomplish the thing that I've set out to do. You see, there are just times when he has to bring us into a place to recognize our insufficiency for him to be able to prove his sufficiency. One of those times in our life, and I may get emotional here, it's a, it, kind of one of those deeply personal situations for us. Several years back, about five, six years back, a little bit, actually, it's probably before that, Chrissy and I uh, had God had placed us in a in a school in Oklahoma where we were and where Mark had been, <laughs> um, and and God had used us in the, in that school for about eighteen nineteen years, 
And we were feeling transition in our hearts and transition in our spirits. And, and, um, and through that transition process, we knew that God was doing something in us. There were things that were awakening inside of us that were that, that feeling that only dreams can give, right? It's, it's that feeling of you've got this anticipation. So, so we were praying about it, and it was a big move for us. You know, we've been, we've been there. Uh, we'd gone to that, that private Christian school that we were had grown up in. We had served in there, had met and loved some wonderful people. As this transition was happening, we were like, God, we want to make sure. So God was giving us confirming word after confirming word. There were prophets who would come up and prophesy things. It was just, it was just amazing all of the things that God was sharing with us. And we knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that the transition was getting ready to happen. And, and someone had, uh, you know, and we were looking at a position uh, down in San Antonio, Texas, where we were, uh, where we were feeling like God was calling us. And, and, we were, and we were looking at that position down there. All, and in that same time, we'd, we'd moved into a little smaller, uh, a smaller uh, home so that we, because we knew transition was coming, didn't want to, so we, we'd stored a whole bunch of our stuff in a storage unit. Around that time, uh, uh, Chrissy ha- had gotten pregnant and we were expecting uh, our, th- we were expecting our third child and it was just these wonderful, wonderful, amazing things were happening in our life and, and every Everything was was just glorious. We were we were excited. You know, we're moving. We're uh, you know, San Antonio is not a bad place to live. We're just looking toward that. And all of a sudden, over the course of a week, everything came crashing down. All of a sudden, I got a call or uh, an email that arrived, or so not an email, a, a regular piece of mail, certified mail that had arrived at our house, and it was late. It was um, a month late that it had arrived, and when I got it, it said that the storage unit where I had, where we had stored about $30,000 worth of furniture and, you know, different things had been auctioned off because of lack of payment. Well, the only problem was is I had paid it. And I could produce all the ch- all the checks and all of the documentation to do that. And all of a sudden, I'm sitting there, and we're out all of the, I'm just like, oh, my gosh, you know, you're kind of angry. There's nothing you can do about it, all, of, all, that, all that craziness. There was a bookshelf that my brother had built specifically for my daughter, Grace. There, uh, my, uh, my wife's grandmother's sewing machine, you know, the old kind that you had, to, was in there. It was a memento, our silk. All kinds of stuff was in there, and it just got auctioned right out from underneath us. And I'll tell you what, I was getting ready, I was getting all my documentation together, getting ready to call an attorney, see what we could do about all of this. And um, all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit drops into my spirit. He says, this is a brother, Chris. You can't sue a brother. I said, now, I don't know that you meant that in your word literally. (laughs) But I knew this guy was a worship leader at a church that he went to. And he was just a bad bookkeeper. But all of a sudden, all that was out. And there was, God wasn't letting me move forward on that. I was like, oh, my gosh, okay. Okay, God, well, I'm going to just sow that, and I'm going to reap it somewhere down the road, you know, and do that. All of a sudden, next couple of days, 
next couple of days, Chrissy starts, uh, starts having some pain and um, things aren't quite going right. And we go into the OB, we're looking, you know, he's taking a look. Well, you know, we've just got to let a little bit of time. Let's come back on Monday. We'll do an ultrasound, see what's going on in there. And that Friday we left, we were concerned. And that Saturday, that Saturday night, Sunday morning, we, we lost our baby. And then, if that wasn't enough, on Sunday, we got a call from the school that we were getting ready to go to in San Antonio, and they let us know that the position had been given to someone else. I'll tell you what, you're sitting there in a weekend and all of a sudden, all these things, this dream that, that God had been placing inside of our hearts, had been placing inside of our spirits, was just all coming crashing down around us. Have you ever had a dream die right in front of your eyes? It's exactly what was happening to us. I'll tell you what, I, <laughs> my, my first place to go is to the, is, well, that's probably too spiritual of me. My second or third place to go is usually to the presence of God after I've gotten myself around to that, right? And that's exactly what I did that, uh, sun, that Sunday evening. I went up to the sanctuary, uh, it's Monday morning, I went up to the sanctuary and um, I just sat down at the piano, and I just began to call out to God. I didn't know what to pray. I didn't know what to sing. There was no, there was no worship song that was all about that moment um, at that time. I just singing worship songs that I knew and didn't have to look at a chord sheet because I was crying and all this kind of stuff was going on. But all of a sudden, as I, as I sat there and I, I sang my last, my last worship song, I'm probably going to step out of the light, but I'm going to do it for, uh, for dramatic effect here. It follows me. <laughs> but as I was sitting there and I'd, I'd finished that last chord, and it was a, a grand piano, and I'd, I'd closed the lid to the piano, and I just sat there. I wasn't really talking to God anymore. I was just finished. I'd said everything I needed to say. Probably not needed, but everything I wanted to say. And as I sat there, all of a sudden, God's presence just moved into the room. Just me there alone with the piano. As I'm sitting there, I'm like, God, if all of this is gone, I know that my daughter is in eternity with you. Would there be any way that I could see her? Sitting right there in the dark, I hadn't even turned the lights to the sanctuary on. And in that moment, it was like inside of my spirit, heaven opened up. And on the floor of heaven, if heaven has a floor, I saw my baby girl. I saw her, and she had these beautiful curls. I saw her face. I saw her smiling at me. 
And as I, as I looked there, all of a sudden, I was interacting, and I, I don't know how to explain it. She wasn't talking. She was, she was too young to talk, but I, we were kind of communicating by spirit, and she was smiling, and I was smiling in this crazy moment with her. And as we're interacting, all of a sudden, Chrissy's mother, who had died when she was 13, came and, and picked our baby girl up, smiled at me, saying hi, and then she turned to walk our baby girl away. I was able to say goodbye to her in that moment. And all of a sudden, it just got dark and it just got quiet again. Ah, oh, man. God took that moment and he met me in the middle of death. And in the middle of that, he said, it's never dead if I've promised it and if I've created it. I'll tell you what, I, I, was, I, I wasn't dancing or anything, but I was, I was refreshed, right? God had met me in that moment. I'll tell you what, it wasn't, to, to me in that moment, it wasn't even as much that I got to see that as much as God said, I'm going to be right here in this moment. I'm going to meet you right where you are. I, that was the part that ministered to me the most. As God, God saw me where I was, and he said, I have something that I need to show you. This is a much bigger picture than this moment. This is a much bigger picture than this week has happened. Because the things that I've placed inside of you the things that I have birthed inside of you are things that I will bring to pass. I'll tell you what, we were, we were, we were sitting there, and I went home, and Chrissy was making, sam was making sandwiches for the kids, grilled cheese sandwiches and tomato soup. That's a favorite at our house in the summer. And so, we're, so she's in there making those, and I'm going in pretending like I'm helping her along the way. And, and I just come in, and I'm, I'm, I'm coming up beside her, and I say, I say, Chrissy, have you asked God if maybe you could see uh, Ella? And when we knew that that was her name, have you, then you could see Ella. Of course, the women's sixth sense or twelfth sense, whatever it is. Did you? Did you see her? I said, yeah, yeah. Well, what did she look like? I said, no, no, no. I don't want to tell you because I'd like for you to see her, and then we can compare notes later and see if we saw the same kid, right? <laughs> so we're, I, that's the way my mind works. I, I don't know. And as we're, as we're conversing that, all of a sudden, inside of her heart and inside of her spirit, she says, no, I've already seen her. And all of a sudden, she remembered a dream that God had given her when she was pregnant with our oldest child, with Grace. And in this dream, she saw this little girl about the same age that I had seen with these beautiful brown curls, these beautiful brown eyes, sitting there looking up at her. And in that moment, how many years before was that? Six, seven years before, God had already come before the event. And God had already shown her in a dream 
this baby girl that we would never get to see, that we wouldn't get to see this side of eternity. But all of a sudden, I started describing. She said, "That's exactly who I saw in that dream." Sometimes it looks in the moment that the thing has died. Looks like the thing that you've been called to. It looks like the thing that God has promised to you has disappeared in the moment. But then all of a sudden, El Shaddai walks in on the scene. And he says this, he says, I am El Shaddai, I am all-sufficient one. And because I am all-sufficient, I have no lack And in the midst of your felt lack and in the midst of your felt need, I am the all-sufficient, almighty, everlasting, never-ending God who is here to meet with you in that moment. In fact, in this moment with Abram, this transformation process happened. Can we go back to that passage of Scripture? Whoever's back there. Next one before that says, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, you notice he didn't say to him the dream first. What did he say? I am God Almighty. Before I even take care of all of this other stuff, I need to make sure that you understand who I am. You see, in the midst of all of this craziness that was happening in our life, it wasn't, he wasn't showing up just to say, oh, yeah, I'm going to take care of you. And all. No, he's, he's showing up because he's saying, first of all, before you can ever understand all the rest of this, I need you to understand who I am. And in this moment, he says, I am the Lord God Almighty in your midst. I'll tell you what, that, those moments transformed me. We're living in San Antonio. We ended up at the school that we thought we were going to end up at. It was a stepping stone to another place that God had called us to. You know, God's just blessed us over and over again with all of the amazing things inside of that, inside of that week. Guess what? Somebody called us and gave us a car. You know, God's saying, I've got this. You see, you're sitting there in the moment of your temporality. You're sitting in the moment of, 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 your, of your humanness. Sorry if I broke something. You're sitting there in the moment of your humanness. And God's saying, that's exactly where I want you. Because it is in your meeting that insufficiency that all you have to look at is to someone who is bigger than that moment. Almighty, all-sufficient, transformative God. Look at this. It says, no longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I've made you a father of many nations. The difference of that is Abram meant that he was going to be a father to many. But then all of a sudden, Abraham 
it's this father to many nations. It's not just exalted father, not just like, hey, your humanness is exalted. No, it's God takes that in that transformation process, and he does something spectacularly amazing in that transformation process. And in this moment, he changed Abram's name to Abraham. And he said, it's not just going to be exalted father. I'm making you a father of many nations at this point. And then he goes on in that next passage, and he says, I'm not stopping there. Once you have this in encounter with me, once you have this encounter with, with Almighty God, he said, I want you to understand, you couldn't have done these next things, but here's what I'm going to do for you. What I'm going to do is I'm going to make you so fruitful that whole nations are going to be born out of you. You've tried for 99 years to do this thing and to accomplish this vision and to accomplish this mission in your life. You tried for 99 years, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make nations come out of you. Kings are going to be birthed out of you. They're going to come from you. I'm going to establish my covenant that's going to be everlasting. This moment, these 99 years that you've been trying to hang on to this, I'm going to take those 99 years, and the promise I give you is not 99 years. It's everlasting. It's everlasting. God of your descendants after you. In fact, God didn't just transform him. He transformed his wife. Later on in this passage, he says, her, long, her name's no longer Sarai. Her name is Sarah. Gentlemen in the room, sometimes we want our wives to change. But God's waiting for the change in us to happen. And then the change in us that happens, all of a sudden, brings the change that we've been looking for all along. <laughs> it's all women saying Amen. It's because all of us, men, we were just taking it in. We've got to process it for a minute, okay? That transformative power only comes because of an encounter with Almighty God. Next passage here comes out of 1 Corinthians 13, 12. It says, but now we see through a poor reflection in a mirror. But then we shall see face to face. Now, on the first 99 years... Now, on the, on the first 99 years, I only know in part. But in the end, I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. You see, when I was preparing to come, I'm just going to insert this. God told me that there were some people in the room who have tried to make sense of him through your own hurt and through your own experiences. In fact, he said that there are some in this room that have hurts that the church has inflicted on you. Maybe it was here, maybe it was a different church, I don't know. Things that people have done to you, done to someone close to you, and those wounds run deep. And they cut deeply. After all, we're supposed to be the body of Christ. We're supposed to lift each other up. We're not supposed to tear each other down. But if that's you this morning, I just want to take a minute and deliver this word that God wanted for you. He says he sees the hurt. He sees the pain that's been inflicted on you. 
And as an intercessor standing before Almighty God, he identifies with that. But Almighty wants to heal that place in your heart. It's not for you to hold on to. It's for him to step in and for him to heal you. He's begging you to allow him to deal with that hurt because that hurt somehow got in and it turned to unforgiveness. Unforgiveness turns to bitterness. Bitterness causes you where you can't trust. If I can get really real with you, you know, sometimes we take the body of Christ and we elevate them to a godlike status. We take men and women of God like, like Mark and Erica and we elevate them to a godlike status. And all of a sudden, someone makes a mistake, becomes hurtful to us. Guys, every person sitting around you is a human. Everyone sitting around you is a sinner who's fallen short of the glory of God. I love these two probably outside of my family more than most anybody in the world. And I've met a lot of people around the world. But I'll tell you what, they have weak moments. There are going to be moments that they're not always up pastors in your past. Sometimes we've elevated people to this godlike status, and when they hurt us or when they do something wrong, all of a sudden we take that offense as if it's from God somehow. If you allow someone else's mistake or a church member's mistake to wound you to the point, you create a roadblock of this kind of revelation that God wants to have and this kind of encounter that God wants to have with you. We cannot let other people's sins and mistakes cloud the view of our almighty God. We can't point to unanswered questions. We can't point to unanswered moments when we were praying something and it didn't happen and try to form our theology, try to form our revelation of who God is around that moment. Because just like God stepped into Abram's life at this moment, He's not almighty because I make him that way. He's not almighty because I've even experienced him that way. He's almighty apart from me. He's almighty apart from my expectations, apart from my perceptions, apart from my experiences. And when you have a God who is almighty above the experiences and above the circumstances, now all of a sudden that's someone you can trust in. His desires, just that we come in, we cooperate with him today. He wants to heal that place. He wants to touch that place deep, in, deep inside of you in a way that no one can do. There's no counseling session, Linda. You're great, but only God. God steps into the moment, and he transforms, and he changes, and he manifests himself to us. 
And as he does that, that all of a sudden you, you want to know how to live a life that is not just the nominal everyday Christian life that so many people think is so glorious. Here's what you do. You set your humanity aside. You set other people's humanity aside. And you begin to trust a God who is almighty, all-sufficient, everlasting God. You allow him, God, I just want to meet with you. But I've tried to forgive so many times. God, I've tried to let this go. God, God, I've, I've prayed every prayer of faith that I know to pray about this situation. But right now, just like I was sitting at the piano at that moment, God, right now, I just need you to just come and be God. I just need you to be God here. I don't need to understand it. I don't need to comprehend it. I just need you to be you. Reminded of a lady as I'm closing here. Chrissy and I were blessed to be able to go to India. And we were ministering in a, a Bible college. Basically, it's a nine-month Bible college. When you get born again, they put you in that. And then in nine months, you go out and start pastoring churches. It's intense. And we're there and we're ministering every day, preaching to these people. And all of a sudden, this little lady, sweet little lady, comes up to talk to Chrissy. She was an inspiration being a woman in ministry. Because of her Hindu background, when she had gotten born again, her husband, being devout Hindu, would actually, um, was not in agreement with this. And so she would have to come and walk miles and miles to be able to get to this place. But she knew, and as she was confiding in Chrissy, she knew that when she would return home, she would be beaten by her husband for the trek that she had made and for the profess profession of faith that she had made. She was doing all she could do. She would, before she would ever leave that morning to be able to be there, she would, she would prepare meals so that her family would have meals just to try to, try to shelter herself as, as best she could in that situation so they'd have food for the, for the whole day so that so they'd be taken care of and then she'd get up and then she'd come. But every night she knew she got home. You know, when, when she came and she asked Chrissy to pray for her, She didn't ask Chrissy, would you pray that God would help me get a divorce or that God would take me out of this situation or that God would deliver me from this? She just came to Chrissy and she said, would you just pray that I would know God in such a way that he's almighty El Shaddai in the middle of it. Tell you what, every sermon I had prepared after that meant nothing to me. <laughs> what do I have to say? As we prayed for, I don't even know what happened to that lady, honestly. She wasn't connected through any kind of technology or anything. But I'll tell you what, in praying for her, God met me. God met us. 
Sometimes we're so busy asking him to be removed from the situation or see the fulfillment of the dream that we miss the work that he's doing on us in the middle of it. God's view of eternity is so much bigger than today or this week. His view is how he's perfecting you and how he's encountering you and how he's coming alongside of you. Today, I'm going to pray over all of us. But I'm not going to pray that God takes a circumstance away from you. I'm not going to pray that God vindicates you. I'm just going to pray that God will reveal himself as El Shaddai. All-powerful, all-sufficient, able to take away every pain, able to take away every hurt, able to take away every addiction, able to take away every loss that we've had and we hang on to, able to take away every disease. He is all-sufficient, almighty, everlasting God. And you don't need someone to take that away. You need an encounter with Him. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you are in need of prayer or wish to speak to one of our pastors, please email us at info at thekingshouse.church. And if you'd like to give towards the ministry of The King's House, you can do so by visiting our website, thekingshouse.church slash giving or by texting any dollar amount to the number 84321 and respond to the prompts sent back to you. If you're ever in our area and want to come visit us, we meet every week at 124 B. Hubert Smith Drive in McAllister, Oklahoma. You can even plan your visit with us ahead of time where you can reserve your seats and parking spots and even pre-check in your kids before you arrive on the Sunday of your choosing. Just fill out that quick form at thekingshouse.church slash plan your visit. Hey, we know life is busy, so be sure to click that subscribe button so you can catch all of our latest messages. We look forward to seeing you very soon.